Monday, October 4th, 2021. Welcome to episode 68 of the Avidity Fitness Podcast. It's the first week of October. Spooky season is amongst us. You know what that means. That means Halloween candy is among us. That means holiday temptations are right around the corner. That means the weather's beginning to change and cool off. And all of these can be pitfalls in your journey to losing weight, building strength, building a healthier lifestyle. So I say to you, as I always say, it's no better time than now to start building better habits. No better time than now to start locking down your nutrition, start locking down your fitness programming. That way you can navigate the holidays, you can navigate the winter and not fall into the traps. And if you start now, By the end of winter, you can be reborn. You can be a whole new person. So start now. Start thinking about your ego. Start thinking about Self-talk, the way that you talk to yourself. Start thinking about what things you can do to help you build your confidence. Become mindful of your environment, the people around you, the food that you surround yourself with and the equipment that you keep at hand. And last but not least, think about the reason you want to change. Think about the reason you want a healthier life. The Avidity Fitness Podcast. The relatively new emphasis our society has on what's inside food is termed nutritionism. Nutritionism is an ideology that began in the 1980s when the focus of food shifted from the item to the individual nutrients within the food. Michael Pollan 
journalist and author of numerous books, including The Omnivore's Dilemma and In Defense of Food, describes an ideology as ways of organizing large swaths of life and experience under a set of shared but unexamined assumptions. And Michael Pollan, in his book titled In Defense of Food, does a really good job of explaining how big food corporations and companies and even the government uh, capitalized on this ideology called nutritionism and how they brought it to the market. And in this excerpt right here titled Nutritionism Comes to Market um, is a really good read, so I wanted to share it with uh, all of you. Here it goes. No idea could be more sympathetic to manufacturers of processed foods, which surely explains why they have been so happy to jump on the nutritionism bandwagon. Indeed, nutritionism supplies the ultimate justification for processing food by implying that with a judicious application of food science, fake foods can be made even more nutritious than the real thing. This, of course, is the story of margarine the first important synthetic food to slip into our diet. Margarine started out in the 19th century as a cheap and inferior substitute for butter. But with the emergence of the lipid hypothesis in the 1950s, manufacturers quickly figured out that their product, with some tinkering, could be marketed as better, smarter, than butter. Butter with the bad nutrients removed, cholesterol and saturated fats, and replaced with good nutrients polyunsaturated fats, and then vitamins. Every time margarine was found wanting, the wanted nutrient could simply be added. Vitamin D, got it now. Vitamin A, sure, no problem. But of course, margarine being the product not of nature but of human ingenuity could never be any smarter than the nutritionists dictating its recipe. And the nutritionists turned out to be not nearly as smart as they thought. The food scientist's ingenious method for making healthy vegetable oil solid at room temperature by blasting it with hydrogen turned out to produce unhealthy trans fat. Fats that we now know are more dangerous than the saturated fats they were designed to replace. Yet the beauty of a processed food like margarine is that it can be endlessly re-engineered to overcome even the most embarrassing about-face in nutritional thinking, including the real wincer that its main ingredient might cause heart attacks and cancer. So, now the trans fats are gone and margarine marches on, unfazed and apparently unkillable. Too bad the same cannot be said of an unknown number of margarine eaters. By now, we have become so inured to fake foods that we forget what a difficult trial margarine had to blaze a difficult trail margarine had to blaze before it and other synthetic food products could win government and consumer acceptance at least since the 1906 publication of Upton Sinclair's The Jungle the adulteration of common foods has been a serious concern of the eating public and the target of numerous federal laws and food and drug administration regulations many consumers regarded oleomargarine as just such as just such an alter, al, 
alter duration. And in the late ninth, in the late eighteen hundreds, five states passed laws requiring that all butter imitations be dyed pink so no one would be fooled. The Supreme Court struck down the laws in eighteen ninety eight. In retrospect, had the practice survived, it might have actually saved some lives. In nineteen thirty eight, food, drug, and cosmetic act imposed strict rules requiring that the word imitation appear on any food product that was, well, an imitation. Read today, the official rationale behind the imitation rules seems at once commonsensical and quaint. Quote, there are certain traditional foods that everyone knows, such as bread, milk, and cheese, and that when consumers buy these foods, they should get the foods that they are expecting. And if a food resembles a standardized food but does not comply with the standard, that food must be labeled an imitation. Unquote. Hard to argue with that. But the food industry did. Strenuously for decades. And in 1973, it finally succeeded in getting the imitation rule tossed out. A little noticed but monumentous step that helped speed America down the path to nutritionism. Industry hated the imitation rule. There had been such a tawdry history of adulterated foods and related forms of snake oil in American commerce that slapping the word imitation on a food product was the kiss of death, an omission of adulteration and inferiority. By the 1960s and 70s, the requirement that such a pejorative term appear on fake food packages stood in the way of innovation indeed of the wholesale reformulation of the american food supply a product a project a project that in the wake of rising concerns about dietary fat and cholesterol was coming to be seen as a good thing what had been regarded as hucksterism and fraud in 1906 had begun to look like sound public health policy by 1973. The American Heart Association, eager to get Americans off saturated fats and onto vegetable oils, including hydrogenated vegetable oils, was actively encouraging the food industry to modify various foods to get the saturated fats and cholesterol out of them. And in the early 70s, the association urged that, quote, any existing and regulatory barriers to the marketing of such foods be removed. Unquote. And so they were, when in 1973 the FDA simply repealed the 1938 rule concerning imitation foods. It buried the change in a set of new, seemingly consumer-friendly rules about nutrient labeling so that news of imitation rules repealed did not appear until the 27th paragraph of the New York Times account published under the headline, FDA proposes sweeping change in food labeling, new rules designed to give consumers a better idea of nutritional value. The second deck of the headline gave away the game. Processors back move. The revised imitation rule held that as long as an imitation product was not, quote, nutritionally inferior to the, new, the, to the natural food it sought to impersonate, as long as it had the same quantities of recognized nutrients the imitation could be marketed without using the dreaded i word 
With that, the regulatory door was thrown open to all manner of fake low-fat products. Fats and things like sour cream and yogurt can now be replaced with hydrogenated oils and guar gum and carrageenan. Bacon bits could be replaced with soy protein. The cream and whipped cream and coffee creamer could be replaced with cornstarch. And the yolks of liquefied eggs could be replaced with, well, whatever the food scientists whatever the food scientist could dream up because the sky was now the limit. As long as the new fake foods were engineered to be nutritionally equivalent to the real article, they could no longer be considered fake. Of course, the operative nutritionist assumption here is that we know enough to determine nutritional equivalence, something that the checkered history of baby formula suggests has never been the case. Nutritionism had become the official ideology of the Food and Drug Administration. For all practical purposes, the government had redefined foods as nothing more than a sum of their recognized nutrients. Adulteration had been repositioned as food science. All it would take now was a push from McGovern's dietary goals for hundreds of traditional foods that everyone knows to begin their long retreat from the supermarket shelves and for our eating to become more scientific. And that's a maybe the only example that I know of of somebody highlighting how the government hijacked our nutrition. Because the idea of nutritionism as a whole is just boiling down food to numbers. That's to say this burger here has X amount of protein, X amount of fat, X amount of carbs. And that's the only importance that the government and food scientists, people that we trust, that's that's the only thing that they're educating us with. And they're saying that that's the only importance. As long as you're getting the protein, the fats, and the carbs in that you need, which those are important, right? But the thing about nutritionism and what Michael Pollan is saying in his book is that it's been boiled it's been simplified too much and so now instead of asking like what is that if you're going to eat a burger instead of asking what is that most people are asking what's in it and when they're asking what's in it they don't mean the ingredients that made it because We've been fooled into believing that the the numbers are all that matters. And that's just not true. That's just not true. Um, they can't be compared. You know, you can make a... Let's take uh, plant-based meats, right? A food scientist have found a way to create a burger that looks similar to a animal meat burger 
Uh, they've even engineered it to where it looks like it bleeds like an animal meat burger. And some people will say it tastes similar to an animal meat burger. Okay. And then you break down to a molecular level what's inside of that animal burger compared to the to the imitation animal burger. And it's a night and day difference. It's not even comparable at that point. They might have the same number of nutrients, but not all nutrients are created the same. And that is the important thing to understand when it comes to the ideology of nutritionism. You know, it's good to know how many grams of protein you're intaking on average. It's good to know, you know, your fats and your carbs. And it's good to have an idea of the vitamins that you're intaking, you know, and some of the micronutrients, if you can get that information. But what's more important than how much protein you're eating is the quality of protein that you're eating. And it's something that Avidity Fitness here, we've been preaching since our inception as a media, health, fitness, personal training company, whatever you want to call us, this podcast, everything that we stand for has always been quality over quantity. So before you're even worried about how much or how little you're getting, you need to worry about what it is that you're getting. Not all calories are created equal. Not all macronutrients are created equal. Not all micronutrients are created equal. Not all phytochemicals are created equal. And I'm not a scientist. I mean, if we want to philosophically argue about this, I believe that every human being on the planet is a scientist. It just depends on what level of scientist you are. So... Maybe I am a scientist, but I'm not a professional scientist. I'm not an expert. I'm an expert in human movement. I'm an expert in uh, reframing your mindset and rewiring the way that you think. I'm an expert in, you know, finding homeostasis and figuring out what works best for my body. But when it comes to talking about what's different between a carrot that was grown with pesticides and uh you know chemicals that help it grow bigger and faster compared to a carrot that was grown as naturally as possible i don't know how to explain that but i believe it to the depths of my soul that there is a difference Maybe it's not a huge difference, but there's a difference. There's no way that it's not. It's just like the the grass-fed meat versus grain-fed meat conversation. You know, a grain-fed cow is eating, is being fed things that aren't natural to its diet. It would not eat these corn pellets and stuff in wild nature because it would eat the grasses that it likes. It would eat the vegetation that it prefers over these processed pellets. 
but they get shoved into these feedlots and they're eating these processed pellets their entire life. They're getting fatter than fatter faster than they would naturally. So they can't their bone structure can't take it as well. They're getting sick off of the diet, so they they gotta get pumped full of antibiotics and medicines just to stay alive. And by the time it reaches slaughter and that meat is harvested and then sold to you, it is a sick animal. He's sick. He or she, they're dying. As opposed to a grass fed cow that's done right on like a um a polycultured farm, you know, it, they're healthy. They they seem to be happy and they live a vibrant life until slaughter. You know, they're not relying on medications just to stay alive. They're not confined to a small little area where they can't even move and and they don't lose strength in their body capabilities to move around and roam unlike a grain-fed cow. So, if you're telling me those meats are going to be the same quality at the end, they might both have 35 grams of protein per four ounce steak but is that protein the same no it's not what's up fit fam thank you for joining me on another episode i hope you dig what we're doing here if you do i gotta ask you again i gotta ask every week be our recruiter right tell people about the show Bring them in. Tell your mom, tell your dad, tell your sister, your brother, your best friend, your coworkers. Share this episode on your Instagram stories, on your Facebook feed. Send it directly to somebody that you know could benefit from healthy, positive information. That's what this is all about. That's what we're doing here. Um, nutritionism, big thing. Uh, it's a it's a concept to to keep in mind. You know, not all calories not all nutrients are created equal some are actually better quality and you should be seeking those out okay so anyway spooky seasons among us please check out avidityfit.com uh check out some of our merchandise that we got up there available i'm working on creating a promo code that i can offer my listeners throughout the month of october so hopefully next week i'll have that figured out and i can provide that for you guys um what else? Uh, you could become a show supporter for as little as 99 cents per month. Just visit anchor.fm slash avidityfitness slash support. Uh, you know, the 99 cents is really helpful, but there's all types of ways you can help. Like I said, uh, just liking the content, you know, sharing the page, uh, making sure that you're following the page on uh, Instagram and Facebook. I'm still working out the details of our Discord channel, but it is it is up there right now. So if you can find it, tap in. Uh, that's all I got for you guys. You know, life's busy. I've been trying to stay on top of stuff and make sure that I'm bringing you guys a little bit of information at least once a week. And I got a lot of other ideas that I want to implement here with the Vidity Fitness. Um, it, it's just a matter of making time and, and making it happen, okay? So if, you, if you're sticking with me and you're rocking with the Vidity Fitness, I love you to death, and I'll be back next week. Oh, row, 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 row. That Whenever I do that, it, it's just me. It's like gorilla growls, and I'm flexing my biceps. So if you've ever heard that noise and you're like, what the fuck is he doing? Yeah, that, that's all it is. It's like it's like my call of encouragement to you all. Oh, row, 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 row.